Super Talk Mississippi media production. Call free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty with you this afternoon from the First Bank Studios here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Kelly Santer will be joining me a little later in the program. Glad you're with us today and appreciate you tuning in each and every day. We're going to be talking to Dr. Mark Horn here in just a couple of minutes from South Central Regional Medical Center, our go-to guy on uh, COVID-19 and how it relates to sports uh, all through our area. Always great advice from Dr. Horn. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our show. And, of course, Southern Miss, we encourage you to support your local restaurants. And at the top of our list is Dickey's Great Food, seven days a week, drive through home delivery. Now you can dine in, uh, limited dining uh, the food is back. Uh, never really went anywhere, but uh, back in the dining room. Delicious, as always. Uh, please support Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Dr. Mark Horn is uh, with South Central Regional Medical Center in Laurel, of course. He's uh, no stranger to our show. has been very gracious about sharing his time and expertise with us. Uh, didn't get him on last week because of a short week. So lots to talk about today. Uh, Doc, thanks, first of all. Uh, for being on the show, you've got your hands full in Jones County as of this morning. 686 cases of COVID has now surpassed Forest County. Unfortunately, 32 Jones Countyans have uh, lost their lives to this terrible disease. What hit, what do you attribute to the uh, to the big increase in your area, Doctor? Well, uh, thanks for having me again. Listen, I was talking to Dr. Dobbs, Thomas Dobbs, uh, last weekend and Monday as well. So this isn't just my opinion, an educated, it's not just a guess, but the data uh, point to community spread as being the primary thing. If you'd asked me, say, four weeks ago, you may recall we talked about, three or four weeks ago, we talked about uh, a lot of cases coming out of uh, poultry processing and other um, industries where people were close together in processing or manufacturing. Well, that's actually gotten a lot better. Those uh, places, those industries have done a great job of working with the health department and others to reduce those cases. And what we've noticed since then is a rather dramatic shift from those populations to younger uh, populations. And so, for instance, over the past two and a half or so weeks in Jones County, uh, I believe my rough Math was 42% of our cases uh, were from people that were younger than age 39, and the bulk of that, over over 20%, were in people that were under 30, 29 and under. So what we're seeing is a lot of people getting out and not exercising precautions. Uh, anecdotally, if you go around Jones County, go to the stores, go to restaurants, you see people not wearing masks, not socially distancing. I have had some personal conversations with uh, some law enforcement officers and other government officials in Laurel and Jones County who tell me they are personally aware of large gatherings in the city and the county that they've had their officers break up, but then they, as soon as the officers leave, they come back together. So 
we know that people aren't taking it seriously, and uh, there's every reason to believe from the numbers that is what is happening in Jones County right now. It is this, it's just not taking it seriously, not doing the basics, and the cases are dramatically rising. I know this is hard to believe this has become controversial, but as, as I observe things here where I live in Lamar County, I have to tell you, doctor, I, I think probably now 90% of the people that I see in public are wearing masks seem to be conscious of, uh, of that and, uh, and, and what they're doing. You're saying that's not the case where you live. I, I hear that time and again. I, I personally don't send, spend a lot of time outside of work or home. I spend some time. I'll go to the grocery store. Uh, I've been to Lowe's. Uh, every time I go out in public, I have my mask and I have my hand sanitizer, and I keep, I keep separated from other people a minimum of six feet, and I prefer more like 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, But, yeah, there seems not to be a lot of that. And uh, other people who spend more time in the public space fear tell me, man, it's just terrible. And uh, it gets back to that story I think I also told uh, a few weeks back uh, when I was in Jackson uh, with the Agriculture Commissioner receiving 100,000 masks from the Taiwanese uh, Secretary of, uh, of uh, Commerce to the southern United States. When the Agriculture Commissioner asked this uh, Secretary from Taiwan, he said, hey, what's y'all's secret for having 23 million people in a country a third of the size in Mississippi and having fewer cases than than we now have in Jones County. And uh, he said, if people don't feel well, they stay home. If they're sick, they go see their doctor. If you go out in public, you wear a mask. We have hand sanitizing stations everywhere, and people are scrupulous about using uh, about sanitizing their hands and what they touch. And we try everything we can to stay as separated from other people as we can, as distant from other people as we can. That's the secret. That's how they, in a country of 23 million people, and with a population density vastly greater than that of Mississippi, have fewer cases than Jones County with under 70,000 people. So, Mm. you know, it's not rocket science. Right. It seems like a pretty simple thing to ask people to do. You you just, you mentioned three things, and... uh, and tell me if I'm right about this. You can go out in public. You can enjoy getting outside of your house if you will put on a, a mask. You can take it off when you get back home or in your car. Wash your hands. Keep your distance from other people. If you do that, you can go out and enjoy life every day, and your chances of getting this disease are greatly reduced. Correct or, or wrong? Dramatically. You're absolutely correct, and they are dramatically reduced. The simple act of standing, you know, we say six feet, and that number is kind of like saying, well, can I drive five miles an hour or eight miles an hour on an icy road? Well, it kind of depends. Six feet is better than three feet. Three feet is better than no feet. <laughs> so the further you distance yourself from others, pick a number. I, six feet is the number that is advised. It's a good, reasonable number. If you can't get six, then the further apart you are, the better off you are. If you can get 10, 10 is better than 6. So my bottom line is, if we separate ourselves from one another by distance, and then if we wear a mask, and then if we're in rooms that are larger and or have more volume and or have better air exchange, or even better yet, if we're outdoors where wind and the entire volume of the outside space can dilute our uh, what we exhale, 
all of those things dramatically reduce the transmission of the virus. So, yes, we can do all kinds of things. I, I went to a restaurant this past weekend. We sat outside. There was no one within 20 feet of us. We had my family, who I spend days and evenings with, so that's my nuclear family. I'm okay to be without a mask by, around them. And we had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And so you can do these things, but you can't get crowded up in a small space. This is one of the problems. I talked to my pastor earlier today, and he and I have talked a number of times. It's a real concern about churches, not because we're anti-religion. I'm as, I'm as God-fearing and church-going Baptist as anybody else in uh, South Mississippi. Um, but I'm not telling people not to go to church. If you want to go to church, go, but be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Be smart about it. Right. Uh, I'm not going to you, – you can feel free to comment on this if you like or not. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Uh, but but this is something that really concerns me. I see a lot of people on social media saying, to, in my view, crazy things, like this is all a hoax, this was created by the government, hospitals are reporting more cases than there really are because they want the money. I just think those are irresponsible people who are putting out irresponsible information, Dr. Horn. Um, I can, the things that I can speak factually to, I know what we do, and I know what my friends around the state do. Um, so I've not, I'm not aware of, nor do I know anyone, who would commit health care fraud by saying that someone died with COVID who didn't die with COVID-19. That's just a fact. I'm not going to say, I can't go into every theory, every case that everybody reports, but I can tell you that I have pretty good resources and, and contacts around the state, and certainly I'm hardwired in here. We don't do it, and I don't know anybody that doesn't, and I know a lot of people in Mississippi. Right. That's about the COVID-19 diagnoses to get money. Uh, plus, the feds have a really... Uh, they, they, they've been, they, they come after you. They're pretty, pretty mean, and so we're afraid of uh, health care fraud. Number one, it's wrong. Number two, we're afraid of what they would do. We're not going to do that. Right. Number two, um, is it a government hoax or something? Look, I said this a few weeks ago. Refrigerated trucks to hold all the bodies are not a hoax. Right. They're just not. Right. Just, it's such a terrible, terrible sight. All right, Doctor, this is a sports show, as you know, and there's a lot of uh, really COVID-related sports information as schools begin to bring athletes back, both high schools and colleges. Some news today about some of the results we're already seeing. Uh, interested to get your advice when we come back on what administrators, coaches, parents, and athletes need to do as they start reporting back to their campuses and schools uh, to prepare for fall sports. We're talking Dr. Mark Horn, Chief of Medicine, South Central Regional Medical in Laurel. Continue our conversation with the good doctor right after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, glad you're with us this afternoon. Welcome back, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke uh, out for a few days. Kelly will be back uh, on the show here in just a bit. We're talking to Dr. Mark Horn, South Central Regional Medical Center. 
And this segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. You can still shop online if that's what you prefer and uh, pick out your Southern Miss apparel, have it delivered to your house. But they're back open. You want to go by and say hey to them on Hardy Street. They're right across the street from the Southern Miss campus. Again, talking uh, to Dr. Mark Horn. All right, Doc. Uh, sports show here, of course. And uh, so lots of sports-related questions regarding this disease. Uh, schools now are beginning to bring athletes back on their campus, both high schools and some colleges. Uh, they're starting uh, to let kids come work out and uh, start getting ready for what they hope are fall sports. One of the things that we've uh, we've seen discussed here about having football here in two or three months is partial seating at stadiums. They, they threw this idea around tentatively at USM where maybe 11,000 of the 33,000 seats in the stadium would be sold. We've heard similar things at the Iowa State and Oklahoma State University, 30 to 50% capacity. Uh, we, we know that it's being thrown around a little bit in high schools that they could have high school football but not have full crowds. Your thoughts on uh, the safety of – let's just use USM since that's generally the subject of this program – uh, an 11,000 uh, seat capacity uh, in the football stadium. Would that allow people to enjoy football safely? Well, I, I, the answer is maybe. Um, but you have to think about the entire process. It's not just what happens in the stadium. It's what happens in the tailgates outside of the stadium. It's what happens on the lines to get into the stadium. It's what happens in the lines at the concession stands. You have to think about the whole project, not just the seating. So the same principles that we ceaselessly talk about, about the personal distancing or social distancing, as people like to call it, of being, you know, um, we prefer at least six feet away from each other. Well, you got to seat in family units that are t- accustomed to being around each other so they're not going to be a new exposure. And so you can seat a family together. And then there needs to be a sort of like a six-foot halo around. Now, it's outdoors, and so that's great. That helps. It's outdoors, and that does help with this volume of distribution and sunlight, all these other things. Uh, but when they get up to go to the restrooms, when they get up to go to the concession stand, when they're tailgating before they come in, when they're in line to get in the stadium, all those things have to be thought about as well. So possibly, but there's a lot to work through there. Right. All right, now – in regard to the athletes, uh, if they start coming back to high schools, are, are high school kids too young to be tested for COVID-19 if they're coming back to participate in sports? No, I mean, we see kids, uh, very young children, uh, toddlers even, who have been tested positive for COVID-19. So any any human can get it. So now the younger you are, the less likely you are to have clinically relevant disease, but... You're not completely immune. We've heard these terrible cases of this uh, uh, immune disease, autoimmune disease that's happening in younger kids. It's like, somewhat like Kawasaki's disease. This can be really bad. So I don't want to scare people, but it's out there. It exists. So, yeah, high schoolers can get it, and they can take it home to vulnerable uh, family members. Um, so we have to be careful um, as we exercise, as we practice, um, the, the, the virus doesn't care what your activity is. It's looking for opportunities. If you presented an opportunity, it takes the opportunity. It doesn't think, it just acts. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't care. It, the principles of how you prevent the transmission are the same regardless of what 
you're attempting to accomplish. So how do administrators and coaches go about testing athletes when they start bringing them back? I mean, is this every week? So Let's say you test your football team today. Nobody tests positive. Don't you need to do it again next week? Isn't it possible that someone has contracted the disease in the week that followed? Oh, what a great question, and I'll try to give a really compact answer, but the short answer, the really short answer is a testing protocol to prevent spread of the disease is nearly impossible to conduct effectively. The best example is the White House. The White House has rapid testing ability. They test people every day, is my understanding, and yet they tested one of the um, people serving in the White House on one day and like, he went home and got exposed, and a couple of days later, before he was symptomatic, he was back at the White House, and he tested positive. So you can't test – you'd have to test almost daily or at least two, at least twice a week to reduce – and there are not enough tests to accomplish that. That's one thing. Number two, the really rapid tests uh, that we have, either the Cepheid or the uh, – the Cepheids are simply not available broadly – the Abbott test is more widely available, but we personally have had significant, and it's been published as well, a lot of false negatives. So um, in our experience, it's a coin toss. If the test says negative, it's a coin toss as to whether or not that's true or not. Mm-hmm. So you can test all you like. You're going to miss stuff. Yeah. Your advice to parents who have kids who are anxious to get back, practicing football, whether they're high school or college athletes. What is your advice overall to the families of those kids and to the men and women that coach them? Uh, Two or three things. Number one, um, listen, understand the principles and apply the principles of uh, what we're talking about uh, to preventing the spread. That's number one. Number two, ask yourself, what's the difference between what I want and what I need? These are really old school questions. I mean, I ask myself sometimes, do I, do I want that or do I need that? And oftentimes, it's really just what I want. And so I get it. There, high school athletes, athletics are fantastic. College athletics, fantastic. I'm a huge fan. Uh, we can exercise without organized team sports. Uh, we can do a lot of things very safely. Um, this is a ter- very difficult time. I'm not saying you can't have organized sports. I'm saying you have to think carefully through the risk-reward ratio and understanding what this is potentially doing in our communities. Uh, I know people are going to come down on different sides of that equation, but they can't, don't don't just go in uh, bull in a china shop saying, this is what I uh, want. Really think deeply about the pluses and minuses and then make your best decision. All of us on this show, uh, as much as anybody, want to see football this fall. But, you know, you you raise so many questions. There's so many questions about testing, about what do you do if if members of your team test positive? How do you isolate certain members of the team? I I just wonder in my mind, Dr. Horn, how realistic is it that we can safely see football in 90 days? I'm pessimistic, but it all depends on where people sit. Uh, where individuals, where leaders set their um, their kind of their threshold for what risk they're willing to uh, take. All of life is about risk-reward. Is this reward or potential reward worth this risk? And right now, for me, uh, I have 
some things that I do uh, in public. Uh, I've got some plans to go to uh, Sandestin in July for a meeting uh, that it's a medical meeting, and we're going to have it, and we're going to socially distance ourselves, and we're going to do it well. I've got plans in August for another meeting, a uh, medical meeting. My point is you can do a lot of things, but you have to think carefully through it, and um, it seems sports are one of those things, as much as I love it, um, but maybe the players can do it. I'm personally not seeing my way clear right now to buy tickets to a football, a college or a football game come fall. I'm just – I can't see right now how that can happen. Times may change. I certainly hope they do. I can't see it today. Have you got a time frame? Has anything changed that would give you a time frame as to when we might be able to go to a football game worry-free? It's um, it's speculation. I mean, I can speculate. I don't want to scare people, but I will tell you that if you talk to those who know the most about this, um, it's months away before things are going to be, before we can sort of find ourselves in crowds again. I remember going to a basketball game in February. I went to a, a Pelicans game with my son. As a, it was part of his Christmas present. He had a great time. We were cheek to jowl with probably 20,000 other people in the, in the Smoothie King Center. Had a great time. I can't see doing that before, 20, uh, before well into 2021. I, I just can't see that kind of closeness being done safely right well i think the best analogy i have heard yet about is covid19 real you gave us when you said the flu is the best college quarterback around covid19 is drew Brees. i think that uh, is a, is a great illustration dr horn and uh, as always i thank you very much for your time sir i know how busy you are and you always take time to uh, chat with us every week uh, we'll be grateful to you forever and Sounds like we're going to be talking for a long time to come, Doctor. If you'll have me, I'm happy to come. All right, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Take care now. Dr. Mark Horn, everybody. Chief of Medicine at South Central Regional Medical Center. Listeners, don't listen to one word I say about COVID-19 and the danger it presents to you and your family, but listen to Dr. Horn and people with his education and training. They have no reason to tell us anything but what they believe is the truth. Kelly Sanders next on the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Glad you're with us. Our thanks to Dr. Mark Horn. Very, very busy man, but he takes the time uh, to talk to us every week, and we're very grateful to him for that. Fourth Street Bar and Grill is the sponsor of the third segment of our fine show. We enjoy doing so much every day, and nothing more do we like than going to Fourth Street Bar and Grill and enjoying uh, their lunch Monday through Friday. They're fantastic shrimp poor boys i'm sure they have other great sandwiches i can't steer away from the shrimp poor boy they're back open uh, they're serving lunch monday through friday they're open in the evenings uh, you can go enjoy some pool enjoy the memorabilia and social distance yourself 
Pay attention to the sort of things we tell you, but go enjoy yourself at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly, I know they have other sandwiches beside the uh, shrimp poor boy. I can't pull myself away from that. You've experienced some of the other stuff there, though. Just about everything on the menu, Bob, I've, I've had and have yet to find a, a, a clinker um, of anything on the menu. And, you know, the seasonally, they'll change it up, you know. Um, in the wintertime, you know, they'll have more hot, you know, menus. In the summertime, it's it's cooler food, you know, to kind of – so they're always switching up the menu, but – but it's amazing because everything they have is is really really good. And how much and, is that um, lunch, Kelly? It's eight ninety five, and that includes you know a, a soft okay. drink or a tea or whatever you want. I got you. So all right, great. big portions too. Big yeah, portions. and and Slade and all the guys down there, great great people. So uh, yeah. certainly support. All right, Kelly, I had Doctor Mark Horn uh, on the show earlier. He expressed uh, he expressed some pessimism, you know, about how how the. How are schools going to get back and safely pull off a football season? Uh, some kind of depressing news today. I want to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, athletes are starting to come back. Uh, I read uh, today that uh, already four Oklahoma State uh, football players, uh, well, three have tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Four more are in quarantine. Their freshmen have been told, don't come to the campus uh, four Marshall football players have tested positive for COVID-19. One at your alma mater, Iowa State. South Carolina basketball coach Frank Martin has come down with the disease. Kelly, how, how in the world are they going to navigate through this and and have football? Boy, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, the the problem with some of the of younger people in this, is, of course, we but we were told from the onset that the people who would would physically have the most difficult with, difficulty with this virus are older people and people with underlying symptoms. Well, college kids sometimes will hear that and go, "Oh, well, obviously that's not me." So so as is generally human nature at a younger age, they're willing to take more risks, thinking they're you know bulletproof. Um, so I don't I don't find that surprising because the the kids are are much more likely to you know get out in crowds and hang out with their friends on the on the beaches and spring break you know and and now with all these the people in all these big cities who have been out protesting uh, Los Angeles today said yesterday alone yesterday one day three thousand more cases hmm. of uh, of COVID nineteen so just when they thought they were kind of um, over this, so to speak, or at least on the right, right trend, as things start to open up again, people are going from zero to a hundred a little bit too quickly. Right. Um, and and Governor Reeves and and his his staff, Doctor Dobbs, and all of them have said, look, just because things are reopening doesn't mean you need to go full full bore here. There, that doesn't mean that the virus isn't still out there. Right. That's some people you you would think were, are probably misreading that. Oh well, if it's op- if everything's open, it must be safe. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that's and that isn't the case. Now we'll we'll get a to. coach on and ask him this. Uh, a high school coach. I don't think we'll be getting any football coaches from certain schools on, but but we could get some high school coaches on. And, and these are the questions that these articles have kind of brought into my mind. I remember back eons ago, back in the Flintstone days when I was playing football. Uh, you you had practice. You divided things up. You had your offensive line practice together, your defensive line practice together. You know your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera. 
How are you going to be able to do that? Because let's let's just use the O line. Let's say Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, whoever, they're at practice. They've got their O line over here working. One of the offensive linemen tests positive for COVID nineteen. Now all of your offensive linemen have been exposed to a disease, and according to the federal government, have to be quarantined for two weeks. How in the world are you going to work through those kind of dilemmas? And that's what the, that's what they're faced with. I was actually at one of the area high schools today and saw that they had broken the, their team into four different groups, and so they were having you know one group outside. Uh, doing running and conditioning at one end of the field. Group two was at the other end of the field doing their, their conditioning. They had one, one group in the training room and one, one group in the weight room. So they were trying to, you know, rotate, you know, small groups. And, they, and the coaches were very, very good about making sure that the players stayed, you know, at least six feet apart. And um, they were diligent in that. And, you know, speaking of the high schools, you know, we've talked about how there cannot be sports at any high school unless the doors to the school itself are open, okay, which would mean that, that in some form or fashion, students would have to be going to classes this fall in order for a football season to take place. Well, one of the plans that's kind of, uh, kind of gaining momentum across the state is, uh, is to cut down, have the doors open at the schools, but cut down on the number of students. And the way that it would happen would be that the seniors and juniors of some of the schools would have their classes online and therefore be able to stay home and have just the freshmen and sophomores physically on campus. So that would essentially cut your student population in half, but the building size is still the same. So they would be able to spread out, if you will, uh, that way. And it would give the juniors and seniors the benefit of their seniority to be able to stay home and take their classes online. That would accomplish two things. The buildings would be open, which would mean they would be able to have sports, including, of course, football and, and um, volleyball and even start basketball practice. So that's, that's an idea that is gaining some traction. But again, I think all of this could be thwarted as the company, as the as the country rather reopens, and now we have the COVID streaks going back the other direction again, and of course all the protesting that's been taking place across the country. There've been people shoulder to shoulder, um, you know, in in some big cities which were volatile to the virus to begin with. So, Bob, it's it's like living in the apartment above the meth lab, you know. I mean, it's. <laughs> You just don't know. Um, uh. so, so if, if they're going to have high school sports, you know, again, the buildings have to be open. But that would be one way that you could cut down on the number of students on the campus so right. you could be open. And, but, but high school sports, remember, they've got to have fans be able to go because they, they don't, they're not rolling in money. They've got to have gate receipts. Right, be able to pay officials and right. whatnot. Your analogy is sort of like a meme I saw last night. It said there's no riding in Mississippi because in our state, if you set the wrong trailer on fire, it could blow up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, just just when you think you're you're on that backside of the curve, and then you're getting news out of Los Angeles this morning, and and some of these athletes going back on campus, 
Um, it, that's not good. That's not a good trend. And, you know, if there's a way to err, it's always to err on the side of caution. Right. You know a lot of these coaches, these high school coaches around our part of the state. Man, these guys just got a lot on their plate right now, don't they, Kelly? They do. And you ask them. I mean, they're there You know, they, for workouts. They started June 1st. But if you ask, I've asked, I know, six different high school coaches the last two days. Not head coaches, but. But I said, so do you think there will be football? And every one of them said the same thing. I have no idea. Man. Man. And, and, and I believe them. Right. And I believe that they believe that they don't have any idea. But they said, if we do, we have to be ready. Right. You Doc- know, and, and that's reasonable, too. Yeah, the doctor told me earlier when I asked him about this idea of, uh, for example, at USM, letting 11,000 people in the stadium, his comment was, well, I, I can't picture myself – in a sporting event uh, in the next three or four months. And I just wonder, Kelly, how many people in the end do you think will feel that way? A minority of the fans, a majority of the fans? How do you see that? I see it just the way that the country sees it, Bob. Younger people will go and older people won't. Yeah. And I don't know if that's life experience. I don't know if that's sensibility. I don't know what you call it. But just like everything else, you know, there are things that you and I now – look back on our younger years and go, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing that I'm even alive. Right. You How know, did I survive that? Right. There was right. a Rush concert in Jackson that I won't go into. But, no, no, please uh, don't. You've told me privately, and uh, <laughs> yeah. this is somewhat of a family show, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just the older people will, will choose not to go, and, and younger people will. Right um, now, you've, you've been really the guy that's observed this more than any of us on this show. If you were going to put odds right now on there being high school football come August, what percentage would you say? 60-40 against. 60-40 against. Okay. Yeah, well, hey, we've got news. Got more news on on the college baseball front, Bob. Coming there we go. Back right. on the other side of the college break. baseball with Kelly Sanderdex. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I don't really know what he's doing now. All right, I think we're back on the air. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. Uh, computers playing havoc with me here, Kelly. Make me very nervous. As you well know, you and I are not exactly computer gurus, so when the computer doesn't work right, guess who I start texting? <laughs> Probably Merck, huh? <laughs> it's just my man, Michael Mergens. There's no question about it. All right, so I think we're back uh, in our last segment. This segment, of course, sponsored by Hattiesburg Toyota. Great guys down there. Great vehicles. Probably as good as anything on the road today. Trucks, cars, SUVs. Big service department. Service after the sale, always important to those guys. So if you're in the market for a car, that's a great place to start. Hattiesburg Toyota. All right, Kelly, you know my love for college baseball. Anytime you say, I've got college baseball news, I perk up. 
Well, there, there is some, uh, some breaking news from Bowling Green University a couple of weeks ago announced because of the, the uh, revenue shortfalls here in this quarter because of COVID-19. Bowling Green announced it was going to drop baseball. But alumni were so uh, concerned about the dropping of baseball, they asked the athletic director, what would it take for us to keep baseball? And like everything else, Bob, what was the answer? Money, money, money. Got to have some money. So, so the baseball alums and fans of the university have come up with $1.5 million and wow. have donated it to uh, Bowling Green University. So the Falcon baseball team will be up and running again. The oh. question is now some of the, other, some of the Bowling Green players have already committed to other schools. And uh, so there, there will be plenty of holes in that roster. But Bowling Green is open for business now again in college baseball. But it was because of the, uh, the alumni who have come through with money donated to the university. I mention all that because I, don't think, I think you're going to see a lot of that in the future uh, when schools just say we don't have the money to continue sport X, Y, or Z. It's going to be up to the alumni to fund it, at least in the short term, until things kind of uh, settle down a little bit. Meanwhile, on the Major League Baseball front, the players and owners getting back together and discussing some things. The players concerned about, of course, the, the spread of COVID-19 want minimal traveling involved. So it looks like uh, what they're going to settle on is 10 team divisions. We used to have an American and a National League. Not anymore. It's just all going to be based on uh, geographic regions. So you'll see the Mets playing the Yankees. You'll see the Phillies playing the Nationals quite a bit. You'll see the Yankees playing the Phillies, which is normally an American League, National League thing. So the travel will be cut to a minimum, and uh, the exact number of games they haven't uh, decided on, but it's been it's been proposed anywhere from 50 to 114. But uh, but now it's all we, – we talked yesterday about are all the games going to be in Florida and Texas and – and uh, Arizona, it looks like they're going to be in, in home ballparks with no fans. Mm. No so strange. fans. So strange. This, this alignment would just be one year, correct? Then you'd go back to the American and National League. That's correct. That's, yeah. that's correct. Uh, you know, the strange times call for strange solutions. So, you'd, the, But the White Sox would get to play the Cubs quite a bit. And the right. White Sox would get to play the Cardinals. And some of these old uh, World Series matchups, you, you'd be able to see, you know, quite a bit of the only uh, the only oddballs, if you will, are going to be teams like Seattle and and, and uh, Toronto. Well, Seattle is way up there by itself, you know, kind of in the corner of the country. Um, so there's nothing, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. There are going to be some teams that are going to have to go to Seattle and vice versa. But other than that, there there are going to be trips that uh, that you could even take a bus to. Right. Uh, if, if necessary. So that's, that's the way that Major League Baseball looks like it's going right now. But again, uh, hoping for a July 15th, maybe, start a July 15th. And here we are on June 3rd now. So it makes for some interesting one-season uh, matchups. For example, I, I'm thinking of the Washington Nationals playing the Baltimore Orioles uh, real right. close to one another. But you see a team like, uh, let's say, the Atlanta Braves. Who's the closest team to them? Teams in Florida? Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, you've got uh, the Marlins and, and the Rays, but and that's that's still a pretty good hump for the yeah you know for the yeah. Braves. You know they might they might be just as close to Houston and um, and Dallas. Right. So so they're going to try to cut down on that as much as they can. But what really is sad about the, the no fans is and you used a perfect example the Nationals and the Orioles 
never get to play. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they might in, in cross-division action, but here, this would be so good oh, for yeah. Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. Oh, area, yeah. to get to see those teams play in person. They'll yeah. get to see them play, but they're going to have to watch it on TV. How about the Yankees and the Mets playing each other all summer long? That's pretty good. Yeah, the Subway Series is what they you know used uh-huh. to call that. So, um, yeah, any, anything they can do to cut down on travel. Philadelphia is very close to Washington, D.C., you know, Philadelphia's close to, to right. Baltimore. So, so for a lot of these teams, it's going to work. It's going to work pretty yeah. well, actually. Kelly, you and I have uh, been around a long time. We just, I think I can speak for both of us. We've never seen anything quite like the world we live in today, have we? And don't want to see it anymore. Oh, no kidding. I'd like to just rewind, you know, fast forward on through 2020 and I get a jump start on 2021, but I don't guess it works that way, right? Man, where are the three stooges when you need them, huh? <laughs> No was always my favorite. All right, that wraps it up. Uh, Kelly and I will be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Mississippi Media Production.